Uh, welcome to another edition of Showtime with Coop. Insightful BS with my uh, Laker teammates and NBA legends. And I am so honored to have kind of like both for me. Uh, NBA legend and a Laker, all-time great Laker, Jerry West. Jerry, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Michael. Great to see you and look like you're your chipper old self again. So I just <laughs> spent some time with you. Minus the hair, Jerry. Uh, real quick, Jerry, we'll get into some of your accolades. I know you're not that type of person. Jerry never brags on himself. One of the most humblest persons I've ever been around. Uh, NBA scoring champion, NBA champion, NBA finals MVP. Jerry, as I was doing my work behind the scenes on this, I didn't know you were first team all defense. Well, Mike, that, uh, was four late times. My, that was late in my career when they didn't <laughs> even do it. And uh, obviously, when I first came into the league, you know, it was a different kind of league than it is today, obviously, a lot more grabbing and holding. And it really was uh, probably would have been a great time for you to have been there because you're a very aggressive defensive player yourself. You like to get after people. And that was in, frankly, that was in vogue then. Very aggressive physical game. Not so much team orientated unless you, you know, unless you had somebody could block shots behind you. But uh, it was a completely different game. And one of the things I was taught early in my career is that the, um, the element of defense uh, was something that people really didn't concentrate. Everyone always looks at scores and everything. And I've always felt the best players were the best well-rounded players. But I had coaches that emphasized that with me throughout my career. And uh, fortunately, I wish they'd kept it earlier, and particularly – steals um that would have been a uh would have been fun because uh it's a big part of the game today all the statistical things then it was wins pretty much and who was scoring the points you're on the 35th annual anniversary team you're on the nba 50th anniversary team you just made the nba 75th anniversary team numbers retired in the lakers jerry i've never had my number retired in college your number 44 is at west virginia <laughs> retired Jerry West Jerry uh you just kind of went over a little bit but give us a little bit of what was your drive basketball wise growing up well I think Michael like um like growing up in a small town and or a bigger city um kids kind of gravitate toward each other in in terms of competing and playing and um it was a very uh I grew up in a very quiet neighborhood and so none of the kids like to do the things I like to do. And basketball was a solitary game. And uh, I say growing up, I, I never went on a family vacation. We didn't have a car. Uh, all I did was run everywhere. And I loved to be in the mountains, loved to be, I loved to fish. Uh, those were all solitary things. And so I had learned quite early in my life that, uh, you know, if you're fine with do, uh, it's going to be fun. And for some reason, basketball was chasing that ball around when I was a kid was, uh, was all I could do. And, and in terms of trying to get my mind stimulated and doing something positive. And pretty soon I learned that uh, if you tell yourself so many positive things, Michael, when things around you look so bleak and particularly the way some of us have to grow up, uh, that was a very, very uh, kind of a mind blowing experience. I used to talk to myself all the time I could take and make myself be the best person. I could do this. I could do that. Like Superman, knowing full well that none of this was going to be um, going, going to ever happen. And sometimes dreams do come true. I found out pretty quickly that uh, that I was so far away because I was so little and I never had grown much. 
And um, all of a sudden, I got to be pretty good. I went to high school. I was six, two and a half and weighed 147 pounds. That was probably like you. <laughs> what do you, you weigh when you're a Laker? 176 pounds, six foot five, <laughs> six foot six. Um, and so all of us are constructed differently, but uh, I became one of the best players in the state, and uh, I was named the best player in the state when I was a senior. And so a lot of I got a lot of college offers to go to school, and frankly, Michael, I didn't even know how to cope with it because I was brought up in a background where uh, – you know, being uh, being wanted was not part of my, my my this area there. People just had jobs, hardworking jobs. A lot of them worked in the coal mines. And uh, it was all of a sudden people clamoring over you. And I didn't say a word, Michael. I was so quiet and so shy. And um, I didn't even know what it would like be like to even be away from home. I never really been away from home. I never never had a family vacation, really nothing together as a family. And all of a sudden I started getting recruited a lot. And, uh, you know, people were offering me a lot of money, Michael, to go to school then. And um, about four times what my father was making, he was making $450 a month with six kids. And so you see that and you start to say to yourself, well, why would someone want to pay me? They don't even know me. And I think all of a sudden kids find out it takes longer for uh, longer for some kids, particularly back in our era, uh, to realize that maybe you are important and you don't want to think you're important. So I made a decision to go to West Virginia University after being just pursued beyond belief by, by coaches. I even have an offer from UCLA, which is crazy at that time. But um, uh, I decided to go to my state university. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And um, uh, that really kind of the story is my life to how I got to the point where I was, in uh, some people's eyes, I was important. It wasn't from being a nice kid or, you know, being nice to people or yes or no, sir, please, thank you. That's how I was raised. Uh, it was all about what you could do. I didn't even think about it because at that point in time, but as you get older, you realize that somewhere along the way, this is part of growing up, particularly if you have some kind of a, a talent that people want. So Jerry, you have a, uh, a great college career. You find yourself in the pros with the Los Angeles Lakers. What was your rookie season like? Cause mine was like, they had me carrying everybody's dirty bags and stuff. Adrian Bantley <laughs> and guys like that. Did you experience that? <laughs> Well, Michael, it was really pretty funny. It was, it was, it was a learning experience for me. And, and uh, you know, what was really interesting, Michael, I never had a white roommate when I was playing. I always had black roommates. And uh, I, I think we had something in common because everyone had to go to school for four years then. And I, it was probably the greatest educational opportunity for me um, that that I can, I can possibly imagine. The nights that we spent alone after games, five o'clock in the morning, no private plane to take us anywhere, <clears throat> catch the first available plane out in the morning, and you might have three or four hours sleep. I, can, I still can't sleep. I'm not a great sleeper and never have been. It probably was a, a, a positive thing for me. So um, uh, just being educated again to the realities of the world. And uh, as I say, I learned more from an educational standpoint with my teammates and maybe I did with um, going to school for four years, that's for sure. 
Jerry, you know, you have your Laker career, you go through it, and then you find yourself on a team with Elgin Baylor, the late great Elgin Baylor, late great Wilt Chamberlain. You guys, to me, and now granted the Celtics had what they had back east, but you guys were like the first three super great players on a team. How did you guys coincide? How did you make it happen together? Hey, it's Coop. When I was winning five titles in the 80s, I was known as the gritty guy who never took a night off. Today, I put the same hustle and grind in my business skills. If you're out in the business world grinding away like me, then you need the tools that help do the work for you. My most valuable business asset comes from Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Let me tell you why Shopify is my MVP in business. One, forget the all-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Two, whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform that simplifies commerce for millions of business worldwide. Three, with Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create diehard fans. Four, Shopify fills all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. Even across social media, platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. Shopify is a secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash showtime, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash showtime to start selling online today. That's shopify.com slash showtime. Well, you know, uh, two completely different personalities um, uh, in in terms of uh, Elgin and uh, and and uh, Will, two two completely different people, Michael. And uh, frankly, it was a team that was not not together. Okay, it, it just couldn't play together at that point in time. And you know, El, they were all getting old. Elgin had had some really bad injuries, and he was. You know, he was the teammate of my dream, um, uh, just the best person you'd ever want to be, the most sharing, giving. Uh, I idolized him not only as a player but as a person. He was he was genuine. And Will all of a sudden had, you know, had this big personality uh, and someone who, if you don't know people like that and you know some of the things they do, you're almost reluctant to even say hello because – and pretty soon you find out. Pretty soon you find out he's a great guy, and uh, it was frankly it was frustrating because I thought we could be better um, than we were, but it just it just didn't work. And again, age was a factor there, and, and particularly Elvin's injury because you know he was he was like the uh, acrobatic star of that period of time, um, but. More importantly, he was a great teammate. Somebody just loved to be around. He was fun, uh, generous, and Wilt was different. 
but everyone is different, Michael. And you have to learn in, in a locker room that, you know, you see certain people that react to games different ways. Um, uh, I know every game was like a, a war. Uh, every game was like, if we didn't win, I was devastated. Uh, I hated to lose. And, you know, people don't realize, you know, they see an NBA season comprised today of 82 games. And if you lose 22 games, in my college career, I didn't lose 22 games. And you lose 22 games and you say to yourself, oh, my God, what a horrible season. Well, you won 60. And so you have to understand that people, the most competitive people play the most competitive games. It's simply not possible to win every game. Unfortunately, exhibition games today are nothing. Uh, we took them serious then, but we played my first year, I think we played 14 exhibition games, um, 13 of them against the Boston Celtics. And you can imagine what the last few of those, there were, the last two games we played, there were fights <laughs> before the Harley game even started. And you just got to the point where we couldn't stand to see each other all the time. But um, And Jerry, hold up. Just on that point there, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to bring something up as I was looking through your background where Coach Van Brennikoff was a coach. And he called Wilt, uh, a slacker, and Wilt called him the worst coach he's ever played for. And I guess they got into a confrontation where Wilt was getting ready to punch him. Elgin steps in, breaks it up. And again, I know what you're talking about chemistry. And, and with that being said, you, your 25 point average was the lowest of your career because you felt the chemistry wasn't there with the team. Well, you know, as I say, with three guys like that, Michael, I, my career was all over the place in terms of scoring and stuff. And a lot of men has played um, uh, during those career. Every Everyone, I think, averaged over 40 minutes a game. And we have good teams. I think six times in my career, I averaged over 40 points. So we had a lot of blowout. But, you know, the problem was is that respect. Um, when, you, when you're trying to assimilate yourself and make yourself a team – it wasn't dependent. This team wasn't dependent on Baylor and West to lead in scoring. And we did every year, the two of us, that's not the way to play basketball, Michael. It's not fun. And it's really taxing on you both physically and mentally during that period of time, you're trying to adjust your game because you don't want to, you don't want to intercede and, uh, and affect Elgin's game and or Wilt's game. And Wilt had gotten to the point where, you know, he wasn't scoring a huge amount of points a night. His presence out there, uh, rebounding-wise, blocking shots. And, he, Michael, he was a very good passer. Yeah. He actually led the league in assists, and people did not know that. But it just was not a match made in heaven. It was not. And it just didn't mesh. And to say there was, uh, there was adversarial feelings between the coach and the biggest player in the league at that time in terms of size and probably personality. And uh, that was not fun to be around. I will tell you it was not. And, you know, people were asking you to take sides. Should I take the side of a player or take the side of the coach? And don't, don't get me wrong. Okay. Michael, what, whoever I played for as a coach, whatever he asked me to do, I did. If I even didn't believe it, I did it. And it was, you know, coaches back then were completely different than they are today. Um, you know, they had little help, uh, maybe one assistant. They had uh, really no scouting reports. You know, every game today is like a preparation for a test. Yeah. And some players 
pick that up quicker. And the veterans who stay around like yourself, uh, the players who played more than 10 years, 14, 15 years today, uh, those are the players that seem to be able to assimilate themselves in a team game and also know what is expected of them of each game, regardless of what your position. If you're a rebounder, defender, uh, everyone expects you to do that in life. You're a scorer, a passer, a leader. People expect that out of you. And the more well-rounded a player is, Michael, the more demands on you. Yeah. But if you have a different personality and those demands drive you crazy when you're not winning, um, I was a mess, to be honest. Right? I just hated mm-hmm. the losing sleepless nights. I hated the, the newspapers to read. Uh, and everyone glances at the newspaper. Uh, to, you know, all they, didn't, they didn't talk about winning games. They talked about personalities and who didn't like who and uh, had nothing to do with the game. Uh, but it was a it was a crazy time in my life and uh, and not the best of times. Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting for football and basketball this season. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Always your continued source for sports wagering information. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf games and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. How much how much did that inform your roster building strategy when it came to your front office work? Well, you know, it's pretty interesting because I think I know what I like in a basketball player. I like people who really compete. I like a certain look in an athlete, long arm, uh, who are aggressive. Uh, everyone can't have the same skill level, but if you put a team together and you're fortunate enough to have a couple of really great players, I think it's really important to know who complements them the best. Mm. And teams get, today, teams just trade people all over the place, uh, sometimes hurting the continuity of a team, regardless of where you are. Right. And probably, back, I guess, maybe one of my best or worst traits was the players that came here, I loved them. Uh, happened to be able to uh, work for an, a wonderful owner in Jerry Buss who – gave you the ability to talk about things. And would he ask questions? Yes, he did. And we talked about how to build a team uh, around Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Fortunate enough that Irvin Johnson came on the scene who was that missing ingredient. <clears throat> he not only provided the leadership, more scoring, uh, more easy opportunities because he pushed the ball. And he just had this wonderful way about him as, as a leader to bring everyone together. And I think that's why we saw Kareem be able to play, my goodness, so up to 40 years of age. Um, amazing what one player can do for your teams, not only in terms of, of happiness that he brings within a locker room, but what he does to make you a better player, uh, take some of the burden off your ball handling and things that I don't think you were 100% comfortable with. You weren't gonna lose the ball, but just have one of those creative people out there who's such a leader 
uh, led to uh, a great era in uh, Laker basketball history. And it's pretty easy to see what a team needs. And then it was, you know, it was the ability to go out and acquire players that were not happy in other circumstances and the teams were expecting more of them because they had been great players. But Michael, we had five number one draft picks here in Los Angeles. That's right. The Laker teams that people didn't even know about. And there's something about having talent that doesn't work somewhere else. And, and someone asked me one time about Bob McAdoo. Everyone berated him, what a bad guy he was and everything. Michael, he was a great person. Fun. Yes, he was. He was. Fun. And listen, to put a scorer out there that, you know, when, when everything wasn't going, put him in a game, you're struggling to score. Um, he always, Michael, he was one of those guys that was just difficult to play. He was big. And I think the funniest thing was hear him get on Kareem's behind in the locker room where <laughs> – where he said, uh, he said, I, I, I remember one day he said, hey, Kareem, I shot 49 on your ass. He said, <laughs> and Kareem said, well, I think I scored 60 on your ass. <laughs> but um, it was, you know, it was fun times. Um, if you get a bunch of good guys together, there's something collectively about them that when they go out in the court, uh, they had one vision. That one vision was to win. They didn't care if it was a defensive game, an offensive game. Good teams can win anyway, Michael. Some teams can only outscore you that are good teams. And uh, these well-rounded teams, and you know what joy was like to be there with the fans, how enthused they were. Uh, it was – it was those were the fun times. And then, unfortunately, Urban had to step away. And, uh, you know, rebuilding time, we were able to uh, acquire Shaquille O'Neal, which is a huge – uh, platform for any team to start with and he, he was young and we had a young kid that we traded for in a draft Kobe Bryant and it wasn't going to be long before those two guys would be able to create another era of Laker basketball and then you know they now they have brought in two or three guys to Dow with uh, uh, mainly the ringleader uh, LeBron, LeBron James, Carmelo and, Anthony and, and Westbrook he's, he's a real leader Michael yeah and his, his, um, my gosh, his legendary status as a player. He just does everything, and he's gotten better, and particularly shooting the ball. So, and, Jerry, uh, uh, hold up, Jerry, because you're jumping ahead, and I like where you're going, but I want to concentrate a little bit back on your playing days. What was it like playing the Boston Celtics in the 60s and early 70s? Well, Michael, you know, you played them a lot of times, and there weren't that many teams in the league, and uh, it, they were battles. Um I mean, you re I respected them. Um, uh, it was, it seemed like every time they needed a basket somehow, they'd get a balance of the right way. And, and there were two times that for sure we shouldn't have beat a Michael two times and we didn't. And that was the most devastating thing of all uh, to go home and feel the enormous disappointment. Uh, Gary, what made them so good? What, what made them so good? Well, you know, the greatest winner that ever played professional basketball is Joe Russell, 11 world championships. And, you know, they made a trade that was, you know, they trade two white guys for a black guy then, which was in Boston, which was a city that wasn't, it was filled with racial tension. And pretty soon his dominance as a defensive player, uh, they had some guys that weren't very good defenders, but 
they had two young men coming off the bench, Casey Jones and Sam Jones, that added to their defensive presence. And uh, they were just, they could win any game, an offensive game, a defensive game, a physical game. And Bill, what, what did John Havlicek bring to them, Jerry? Was he because he came off the bench too a little bit? Well, you know, as I say, he was in a perfect place for him because yeah. Michael, they would shoot over 100 shots a night, okay, 100 shots a night. And um, they would be very much like today, uh, today's game. Uh, if it would be one on three, somebody would shoot it, but it wouldn't be a three point shot. Today, now guys just run behind, they can have a layup, they run behind a three point line. But uh, they played a really fast-paced game. And, of course, when unless you were really knew how to play against Bill Russell, he was a menace out there. And yeah. it took me two years uh, to figure out you always had to see him before you drove. You could not – if you didn't see him, you better look to pass the ball. And so that took away a lot of layups, uh, a lot of really close attempts to the basket. And he always seemed to – he was an amazing shot blocker. Michael, he was like the plastic man. He could drive. There's pictures of him in the air. His body is like flat, and he reaches over. An enormous runner, really fast. Uh, wasn't a great shooter, uh, but he could do everything that, it, that it, a team needed to make up for the mistakes that these other players made, particularly defensively. And his rebounding ability allowed them to run up and down the court and that's why they scored a lot of points. Uh, what were the fans like back there, Jerry? Because they were just terrible for us in the 80s. How, well, they weren't that bad back then. Were they? Well, Michael, I had somebody that, you know, I never went back to the Boston Garden after I played. <laughs> I hated green. You never see me wear green. Oh, why, Jerry? I hate green, too. <laughs> but what was funny about it, Michael, is that they treated us pretty darn well. They really did. And uh, because we had been there so much during the regular season, they saw us play and they saw we had a good team. And we won a lot of games against them, but uh, we didn't win enough to make a difference. And I uh, uh, had, I think, Tommy Heinsohn, the late Tommy Heinsohn said, you're the Boston Celtics' favorite visiting fan. I said, well, <laughs> I said, well, they weren't my favorite fans. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you listening to Showtime with Coop. We got the logo on here. Jerry West. I've been telling you guys he was coming, but he's finally here. Jerry, what do you think about being called the logo and having that emblem 